this is a lot of people in a tiny office. I love it. <laughs> I'm Taylor. Welcome to the Cool Guy with Cool Friends podcast. Do us a favor. Um, give a round of applause to yourself for listening to this podcast. It's like one of my favorite corners of the internet. Um, and I, I always love seeing, like, it's an opportunity for people to talk about things with their friends. So you're kind of inundated by overwhelming opportunity and choices. Like, I was, I just decided to kind of take this as an opportunity to make a podcast episode about Taylor Swift. So there's no dancers, <laughs> unfortunately. So let's enjoy what's most likely some copyright infringement while we can. The number of Lion King movies that there are, it's probably going to be the number of listeners <laughs> in the entirety of this project. Welcome to Cool Guy with Cool Friends. If you were looking for a good quality podcast, you're in the absolutely wrong place. If you want to learn about Taylor Swift, you're in the right place. Kind of. I'm here today with Ashley F. Welcome on to the pod. So we're talking about... <laughs> the Queen... We are talking about Taylor Allison Swift, born in Pennsylvania, December 13th, 1989. She grew up on a Christmas tree farm in Pennsylvania, which is why she has the Christmas song, Christmas Tree Farm. She moved to good old Nashville, Tennessee. Well, actually, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Fun fact. Not even close. Not even the same thing. Yeah, literally. Close. It's not even Nashville. Yeah, and she would like pretty much like go to every like record label in Nashville like on Music Row and like give them a sample of her music and just be like here take it and like I'm pretty sure like it was either like a family friend or like a plumber or somebody that like taught her how to play guitar I want to see a Venn diagram of family friends and plumbers and see how many <laughs> people come up right well it's either it's either or I'm not sure that. but anyways like someone like some random person taught her how to play guitar and so she just started writing, like, all these songs, like, you know, instead of, like, a diary, I guess she just wrote some. So I'm imagining her on Music Row with, like, pigtails and a red flyer wagon, handing out, like, CDs and, and you remember the jewel cases? Like, the translucent colored jewel cases. Yes. But already six feet tall and, like, 12 years old <laughs> and being like, check out my mixtape. Pretty much. You're gonna love it. Yeah, and then... Big Machine Records comes in, and they're so they were like the robots are taking over. Yeah, yeah, Big Machine, yeah. Right. No, so Big Machine was like just starting out in Nashville too. Like I'm pretty sure Taylor was like the first person that they had signed onto their like company and stuff. So like it was kind of like she took a chance on them; they took a chance on her kind of situation. And that's when we get like the her first like. We do get her debut album, which is self-titled. It's called Taylor Swift. And that's where we get, like, Tim McGraw and our song and, like, Teardrops on My Guitar. And, like, you just see, like, this, like, 16-year-old girl now, like, in the country world. And she's got, like, tight, like, blonde curls. And she wears the cowboy boots and the sundresses. And, like, for that time of, like, I think it's, like, 2006, 2007, like... She was very on brand for, like, country. Because you think of, like, country now, and you're like, oh, it's not like country, it's like pop. And that's when I discovered her. It was during, like, her, like, debut. What year was that? I believe it was 2006. How old were you in 2006? I was 
I'm pretty sure it was the summer of 2006, so I was six. Okay. So some people have, like, distinct memories of things. Do mm-hmm. you remember the first time you had heard of a Taylor Swift? I do. I don't know if it was the first time I had heard her, but, like, this is, like, my first memory associated with Taylor Swift. And, like, we, I just remember I was, like, driving home with my dad, and it was, like, summer, and the sun was setting, and, like, Tim McGraw comes on the radio, and when I was six years old, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be a country music star. Like, I love to sing and stuff, and I was like, this song is so good, and, like, then I found out who Taylor Swift was, and then, like, obviously my family, like, bought me the CD, and, like, yeah, it's just, like, a good memory to have. It's it's a summer album in my eyes, I think, because of that memory. So you said you, you, said you had wanted to do a six-year-old with many aspirations. Yes. And a fistful of dollars yes. and a heart that can barely fit inside your chest. You were like, I see this person who I don't know her name, but I hear her voice. She is my muse. Pretty much. Like, instantly I fell in love with her. What is it about it? As opposed to, like, every other song that didn't grab your attention. I think for me, she was, like, very relatable. And I know, like, being six years old and, like, relating to love songs is, like, a little, like, eh. But, like, in my eyes, like, growing up, like, you know, and I think a lot of, like, young people do this. They look to people who look like them. So for me, like, she looked the same that I did. Like, we both had blonde hair and blue eyes and were into country music. And, you know, she was a singer-songwriter, and that's what I wanted to do. And I think, like, how, like, she was so young, like, kind of also helped. (laughs) So the idea that you don't have to be a boring old person to be commercially successful. Yeah, because, like, at the time, like, Carrie Underwood and, like, I don't know, like, maybe, like, I can't think of, like, a ton of, like, huge country stars off the top of my head. But I feel like it was also, like, Tim McGraw and, like, Kenny Chesney and, like, Brad Paisley, Carrie Underwood, like, Miranda Lambert. Like, they all felt like adults to me. And, like, they were successful and they were writing about, like, marriage and divorce. But, like, in my eyes, like, Taylor Swift was, like, 16. Like, 16, 17. I'm like, okay, she's, like, a teenager. Like, I've met teenagers before and stuff. And, like, she wasn't talking about marriage. She was talking about the boy in class. Which, like, granted I wasn't in high school. But I still had crushes when I was, like, in elementary school. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking, like, Drew is walking down the hallway in my elementary school. You know, I've got my own little Drew. So to clarify for listeners, Tim McGraw is an artist, but then T-Swizzle had a song called Tim McGraw that was one of the breakouts. Yeah, so that was like her lead single. That, that, that was okay. like what what put her like on put country on radio. So once you got your hands on the album, what new sound, like... Is it my favorite album and do I listen to it all the time? Yes. No. Oh. Uh, but sometimes when you're feeling nostalgic or like I said, like it feels like an album you listen to in the summer or like... You know, Taylor Swift is known for writing really sad songs. Like, there's a few on there that, like, like Teardrops on My Guitar, I will probably, like, always listen to when I'm feeling sad, especially over a boy, because, like, she just gets it. Do I find myself listening to the album, like, every day? Not really. But it is still a good album. She has no bad albums in my eyes. That's a hot take. No bad no albums. Bad album. Not a single one. No, not at all. And I think a lot of people who like Taylor Swift would agree with me. Okay. We'll have to work. So you're like a, a Taylor Swift omnivore. Like you're yeah. like everything. You're like, get in here. Like we're listening to all of it. We're yeah. All of it. Well, and I think like because she does have such like a wide discography, 
that pretty much any mood you're in, like you can listen to Taylor Swift and like, it's going to relate to that. Or like, you know, if you're feeling sad, you want to listen to happy Taylor Swift music, you can do that. But also if you want like something comforting, like she's got that as well. If you want to dance and like hang out with your girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, she's got that too. Like, I don't know. I just love her. I really hope at least one of these parts where I'm like sipping tea, it's kept. <laughs> Let's say you're at the farmer's market, mm-hmm. but instead of produce like fruits and veggies and little stalls with trinkets and doodads, it's all Taylor Swift stuff. What are the things you're grabbing and why? I think first of all, if if it were at this market, I would definitely be grabbing like the book that she writes songs in. Is that commercially available? No, not at all. Does oh, it have God. to be commercially oh, available? Oh, no, you're right. No, you're right. Because, okay. like, you said anything. That's true. So, I, like, did. I did. I did. In this Taylor Swift universe that we've created, um, yeah, or, like, even, like, like voice memos or, like, demos that she's done for songs because, like, it's going around on Twitter right now. Like, the original lyrics for Cardigan, which is, like, on her folklore album, and, uh, like, one thing to me is one thing that I find so interesting is her songwriting process like for one of her songs on 1989 all you had to do is stay she was like it came to me in a dream and then like when she woke up like she just like she like heard it in the dream like sorry I lost my train of thought bing bong you're talking about getting a writing notebook yeah and I'd asked about her songwriting process and like there's like a clip of like her and like Jackie Antonoff like writing getaway car I just want to be in the room to, like, witness the magic that she creates. You want to see how the sausage gets made. Yes, exactly. That would be number one. Uh, Number two, I would definitely grab um, a folklore cardigan that she sold during the, like, promo for that album. Mm -hmm. Because it just looks so cozy. I love it. Have you seen it? No. It's, like, it's white and it has, like, stars on it. It says, like, folklore. That sounds cute. It's beautiful. I would definitely grab all of her albums. If money would like was like like this was a free for all, like I'm mm-hmm. just grabbing anything. It's free for all. I would definitely grab all of her albums, like all the deluxe editions, vinyls, like merch. I would grab it all. You could not give me enough. So how many records does Taylor Swift currently have out? So currently she has nine out, not including the re-recordings. Could you do the audience a favor or really just screw the audience? I don't give a about the audience. Just tell me because I actually don't know her discography. From debut album to where we are now, the name of the album and then describe that album in like three words or three to to five words. Just the vibe, whatever the vibe of the album is. So we've got debut, summer, country, and youth. I feel like I feel like those are three like good words. Summer, okay. country, and youth. And that one is just called Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Yes. All right. Then we have Fearless. That I would call, I would say, hopeless romantic, kind of youthful, and magical, and like I don't know. Fuck bullies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Not no. I think you're thinking of a different album. Actually, is Mean not on? That no, album? it's on Speaking Now. Which is next, which is okay, next. Okay, okay. No, Speak Now is definitely... <laughs> okay. Speak Now is definitely f***ing bullies. All right. Um, that's, like, the first one, because that's got the song of, like, Towards Kanye West, too. Mm. Ooh, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll get yeah. there. <laughs> so, yeah. That one is just a masterpiece, Speak Now. And I could talk about it for hours, so... 
Mm-hmm. A masterpiece, bullies, beautiful, wonderful, amazing, show-stopping. Okay, moving on. Red. Red is like, that was like her transitional album. So like, that's where she kind of played around with like different genres and stuff. So that one, and then also, I would say it's very comforting to me anyways. Red is very comforting. It's transitional and also like heartbreaking. It is a heartbreaking album. Then there's 1989. That was like her full shift into pop. So definitely very pop. Like it's got like a lot of like 80s, like synth kind of vibes to it in my eyes. So like pop and like that one also feels like all over the place too. Maybe you can tell me what it's not in some yeah. respects. What, what, Definitely what, not what a country album. Okay, so not a country album. What sets yeah. it apart from the prior albums? Exactly that it's not a country album. Like, I remember whenever she, like, announced 1989 and she announced that, like, she was taking, like, that full step away from country. Because, like I said, on Red, like, she kind of played around with different sounds, but it was still considered a country album. Pop was, or pop. 1989, it was, like... What's the difference? Full pop. Exactly. Like, I remember, like, half of, like, the country music community would, like, shunned her for taking that step. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. But, yeah, so it's definitely not a country album. Um, it's also a masterpiece. I'm going to say that about all of her albums, though. She's a good songwriter. So what comes after 1989? After 1989 is Reputation. Reputation is when Taylor Swift entered her bad bitch era. I don't even want to say she's getting revenge, because she's not. She's just, like, she's a bad bitch now. Like, she does not give a f***. Like, the revenge has already been had. Exactly. So, Reputation, it's, like... When you look at it, you're like, oh, this is going to be, like, a darker album, like, and stuff. Like, the aesthetic does not match the music, in my eyes. Because, like, it's called Reputation, so everyone's like, oh, like, she's going to talk about the Kanye stuff. She's going to talk about her ex-boyfriends and da 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 which she does, but in, like, a very, like, like she's so having fun with way. it. Oh, yeah. okay, like a playful way. Yes, yes, like, in a playful way. And then comes Lover, which is her first, like, self-owned album, and it's beautiful, and it's, like, pink and pastels and and it's like the total like opposite of reputation but the music i would say is like fairly similar on it like it's still got like a pop kind of vibe like she's very much in her pop era from 1989 to lover but yeah and then she's like in love so it's just like a love album and it's so sweet and then comes folklore which is number eight and folklore is almost like it's still it's still kind of poppy like she's still pretty i mean like it's taylor swift so i feel like i don't know how to be like oh yeah she's like an indie artist like relative to the rest of her discography it's less pop even though her music as a whole is situated largely in pop or at least the second half is yeah the second half of her career is but i feel like it's definitely a little bit more experimental she works with like different people on it 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 takes you into like this like fairy garden in the woods. That's what folklore does. And it's beautiful. And then Evermore is the sister to folklore. So it kind of, I don't want to say it like continues the story that she creates in folklore, but it's got the same vibe to it. And in my eyes, it's the better album. <laughs> gonna upset some. I'm gonna upset some what's, people what's with the, that one. What's the name for like a Taylor Swift fan? The Swifties. You're going to upset some Swifties. I'm going to upset some Swifties with my opinions, and that's okay. So besides all of them being your favorite, if you had to pick (laughs) favorites among your favorites, is that even possible? Yeah. Okay. So what what are the some, like, knowing that you are already... I'd put you in the category of super fan. What do you think? Is I, that too much of a stretch? Nope, not at all. 
Okay, I'm a, cool. I'm a hardcore Swifty. Yeah. So I would say my top two are Evermore and Red. Those are those are like my top two albums. Okay. And give me the next two as well. Okay. After that, I would say Folklore. And right now it's 1989. So. You say that in a way where it's like. Sometimes it, it, cha- it changes. Okay, it changes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Like. Yeah, that makes sense. Taste isn't fixed at all. Yeah. And then, and then I would say, like, Speak Now, and then Reputation, and then Fearless, and then Debut. Oh, and Lover. Lover, uh, Lover is, like, I go back and forth on so much. Like, sometimes it's literally, like, in my bottom, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I appreciate it for what it is, and I'm like, oh, it's, like, in my top five. So that one kind of shifts a lot for me. Yeah, for, in all honesty, when you said Lover, I was like, did we talk about that one? I was like, because it was just so, like, yeah. just such a long... She, yeah, a career. And now with the re-recordings, like fine blow. Give me, give me the Spark Notes version of the whole re-recording, the process debacle. Okay. And if you, and if you feel like you're able to explain the idea of like master recordings and things like that, you can also drop that in there. So after the Reputation album, she left Big Machine Records. And then, like one day, everyone wakes up on Instagram and like Twitter and all this, and she's like. Scott Borchetta, which is, like, the CEO of Big Machine, is, like, selling my masters, which I guess are, like, I don't want to say the original copy, but, like, it's, like, the copy of the music in my eyes as someone who is an outsider of the music world. So is Scooter Braun the same person, or is that No, Scooter Braun is different. So Scott Borchetta is, like, CEO of Big Machine, and Scooter Braun is... He's, like, a manager for, like, Demi Lovato and, like, Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber... So does he have anything to do with Taylor Swift? Yes, okay, he does. Okay, cool. All right. Yes. I, was, I must have been getting ahead of myself or behind myself. Well, so basically, like, so Scott sold all of her masters to Scooter Braun. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's where he comes in. And, like, she already had had beef with Scooter, I believe, because he was, like, in the same crowd as, like, Kanye and, like, Justin Bieber. And, like, pretty much everyone on the planet knows the Kanye thing. So, like, I don't feel like I really have to yeah. talk about it. Look it up yourself. Yeah. Look it up yourself, you lazy Like, fuck. I feel like we're done with that. Yeah. We're done with the Kanye stuff. Everyone knows what happens. Yeah, so he sells them to Scooter and pretty much, like... And Taylor Swift's dad was actually, like, a board member of, like, Big Machine. And, like, apparently, like, during the meetings where he was, like, discussing, like, the costs and stuff of her masters to Scooter, like... Taylor Swift's dad wasn't allowed in the room. So, like, something fishy was going on. Mm. And so, pretty much, like, one day, like, Taylor Swift woke up to the news, like, with the rest of the world that her masters had been sold to Scooter Braun, which is, like, someone she very much has, like, publicly stated she does not like. Yeah. And so, like... He's, like, a little rap boy. Yeah, pretty okay, much. Like, cool. he's a rap boy. He's he's wanting his cheese picks. Okay? Yeah. Money. Anyway. <laughs> so, you know, and then, like, you flash forward to the um, 2019 American Music Awards, and because Scooter owns her masters, so they had given Taylor this award that was, like, Artist of the Decade. So they gave her the Artist of the Decade Award at, like, the AMAs. And so she was going to do, like, a melody of, like, all of her songs, like, you know, songs from her old album, songs from Lover, and pretty much, like, for a while, like, Scooter was like, nope, we own these, we own the rights to them, like, so yeah, so with the Masters comes, like, you control, like, if it's on YouTube, if it's on Spotify, if it's on iTunes, like, you own that music Mm -hmm. and stuff. So Taylor, like, legally couldn't perform her own songs because somebody else owned them. 
And, like, I'm pretty sure she asked to buy them, and they, like, told her no, and, like, all this stuff. Anyways, she got royally bricked. You can bleep that out, and people will think I sent them. Ooh, yeah, they'll never know. They'll never know. It's a top, secret. Top secret. It's a secret. So, yeah, so Taylor took to the internet because, like, at that point, she was like, I don't know what else to do and stuff. But, yeah, and then he eventually let her, like, perform her songs at the AMAs. And it was a wonderful performance, might I add. But, yeah, and then so now she's doing her re-recordings. And so pretty much, like, legally, like, she's allowed to re-record this music again. And now she owns, like, the like the rights and, like, masters and all that. So, like, the goal is to pretty much make her old albums worthless. Yeah. So, like... That's fire. Yeah. Like, that, like, I mean, and that's the only way she can really get back. Like, I'm pretty sure after Fearless, like, Scooter offered them back, like, or, no, Scooter sold them to a different company. Because he knew they were depreciating. Yeah. 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 But he told the company, he was, like, in, like, the contract that they signed, he was, like, you cannot sell these back to Taylor Swift. Look. Like, he's, like, that petty. But, yeah, so, like, all of her old music is, like, losing its value because she's re-recording the music and making it, like, pretty much sound the same, which I think is insane. Like, because you have to, like, like, back when she was doing the Fearless and, like, Speak Now and, like, um, like, those tours, like, she had a full band with her that, like, you know, was, like, doing music with her and, like, all that. And so, I don't know, I feel like it would be really hard to try to recreate the same song that you had written, like, and produced, like, over 10 years ago. And not only that, but to go back through your discography, you have to, like, almost... It seems like in order to do it justice, you might even have to, like, reoccupy the psychic space that you were in, like, the mindset you were in. I feel like we saw the, like, we, as in, like, the Swifties and, like, bands of Taylor Swift. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I feel like people saw, like... Because her breakup with Jake Gyllenhaal from... From the re- the music on Red, like, it seems like it was pretty bad. Like, it seemed like she took it pretty hard. Jake Gyllenhaal's okay, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, like, all of her fans were like, oh, fuck Jake Gyllenhaal, like, and stuff. And, like, she really didn't care. Like, she was like, nope, this is my music. It's coming back out. Like, and then another thing that is super fun that she's doing with the re-recordings is she's putting out songs that she had written during that time, but they didn't make it to the album. So it's like we're getting so like for Fearless, like I think I think it's about six songs per album that she like puts out with the new re-recording. So Oh wow. So that's like a lot of extra material. Yeah, so you're getting like extra music from that era. Yeah. It's like with the Fearless era, like and she went back to her country roots. Like she did a um a duet with Keith Urban. Hell yeah. And then she also is like in a sense like modernizing like some of the songs too like she did like a thing with like Maren Morris which like obviously she wasn't around back right and stuff so she's kind of like putting a twist on like these songs that she wrote like during that era of her life which I think is something so fun probably for her but also for all the Swifties because I feel like I'm on Swiftie Twitter so what is it called like Swift, Switter? Switter? Swifter? No. I'm going to stop trying. It's literally just like Taylor Swift's stand Twitter or something. Yeah. But, like, something that I've seen a lot is, like, everyone gets to, like, kind of, like, go back in time. Like, like when Fearless was first put out when I was, like, eight or nine, like, you know, obviously I was very excited. But now I've gotten to, like, grow with these albums and, like... Yeah. It's like know? memory lane. It's like yeah. in the same way she gets to revisit perhaps who she was and re-recording these. 
in listening to the re-recordings, you're able to go back to where you were. Exactly. Okay. And cool. stuff. And it feels like nostalgic and fun and like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's, I feel like that whole situation with like re-recording your work is something that if an artist what hadn't, it sounds like that whole scenario sucks, but it sounds like there was an opportunity that was created, which, you know, very few artists, I guess, would be afforded where they can go back and do their old music again, but like for a reason and it's cool. And it's yeah. not, it's not like, it's not like someone being like, oh man, we fell off. You know what we yeah. need to do? Re-record all our stuff. Everyone yeah. be like, what the f*** are you doing? But well, no, because literally I feel like some artists, like, I love Fleetwood Mac, don't get me wrong, but did they really have to re-release like all the music that they did? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know the history of Fleetwood Mac, but like, that's another thing I think is really impressive is like all the success that she's still getting with like this music that was written like 10 years ago. I feel like that just shows like how powerful she is and how power. and how good she is. Like she good. She is good. If you don't like Taylor Swift, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> grow up. Yeah, grow up and get over yourself. Yeah, because she's good. Just saying. Growing up, I was like, this music's for girls. Yeah. Um, but I was like bullied a fuck ton in middle school, and so when the song "Mean" came out, I was just like. I was already living in a big city, but it's since gotten bigger. But, you know, I would just be, like, walking around and, like, once every, you know, blue moon, that song would cycle into my rotation. I would just be like, <laughs> And really, it wasn't until, I feel like Folklore came out of, like, nowhere. Because it'll drop summer of, it'll drop summer 2020. And it seemed like it came out of nowhere, from my perspective. As no, it did. Who, as, yeah, so, from someone who had no perspective on it, from someone who did have perspective on it came out of nowhere. And it's funny because I had been listening to a little bit prior, I guess two years prior, Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves. And I loved that, that album. That is such a good album. It was one of the it was like one of the albums that like defined the latter half of my college career. And I remember talking to my friends and I literally said something to the effect of this album and like Casey Musgraves as an artist is like what I imagine Taylor Swift could have been this seems like another version like a lost future like taylor swift had she stuck to more like singer songwriter country and not taken like a left turn toward like mainstream pop synth electronic type stuff but then folklore felt like a kind of timely meditation slash return to form that felt very much in line with casey musgraves golden hour and so all the things i liked about that album or many of the things I liked in that album, I also saw there. Um, and I really liked the lyrics, and then I'm also a big fan of The National. And so um, oh, yes. Aaron Dessner and I think a couple other people from The National did some some production on that album. And so, uh, you know, some of that sound also colored the album, and it, it resonated with me where I was. And then Evermore came out, and I was like, oh, seconds, are you kidding me? Um <laughs> like who wants some more <laughs> so then i listened to that too and i i still think i prefer folklore but i still definitely like evermore i i a lot of people a lot of swifties agree with me on this evermore is the better album but to sit down and listen to one folklore is better like if you listen to it all the way through like you really get that whole story mm-hmm. whereas like with evermore like it's a bunch of different like i feel like it's a bunch of different songs like telling different stories but i think the songs on that album are just like don't get me wrong like folklore is a 10 out of 10 album for me mm-hmm. but evermore is like 11 out of 10 yeah an 11 out of 10 no hate to folklore evermore is better everyone's gonna think you really hate folklore now they're gonna I be hate like, it ah. they're like she's sleeping on folklore 
Yeah. They're gonna people are gonna write letters. My apartment is gonna be bombarded <laughs> with like letters. Like if you've ever seen the first Harry Potter movie where like the house yeah. filled with the letters and they burst through, you're like that's literally the windows of my apartment are gonna be shattered and just you know, letters. Yeah. Hate mail. Mm-hmm. Just hate mail. And not even for me, for you. Yeah, no, folklore did come out of nowhere because like Taylor Swift and this is Another reason why I love her is because she has so much fun with her fans. And, like, I feel like she's one of those people that really, do like, does care about the people who listen to her music. Mm-hmm. Like, her, like, one of her things is, like, she drops Easter eggs of, like, what's coming next or, like, when it's coming and stuff. Like, like for Lover, like, she posted a picture of herself and, like, behind a fence. So, like, the fence was there and then she was right behind it. And there were five holes in the fence that you could see. And everyone was like, oh, my God, something's coming in May. And then she did. She dropped a single in May. Oh, so and she announced that one. Yeah. Oh, so that's like some national Trevor treasure. No, like yeah, like she does stuff like that all the time. And then like you know how she like words her Instagram captions or like whenever she tweets or like she's like I love her you and you're like oh my god it's gonna be called lover. (laughs) Well, no, literally like when she released the music video for me, like which is the lead single off of um, Lover, which. Some Swifties might hate me for this, but it's also a good song. Literally, everyone thinks it's her worst song. Interesting. I like it. How does that one go? It's like, I promise that you'll never find another like me. It's the one she did with uh, Brendan Urie from Panic at the Disco. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, like, so she like drops like Easter eggs and in the music video, she's like the title of my album is going to be is like in the music video somewhere. And, like, so blatantly, like, mm. in the corner. It's so like, like, Pepsi I'm, Cola, that has to be the name. Yeah, of literally, like, all the Swifties were clowning, like, being like, oh, my God, it's called Butterflies or Rainbows or something. And, like, yeah. right there, like, it says Lover mm. and stuff. But she does. She has fun with it. And, like, in a recent interview she did for her, like, Red Taylor's Version release, like, mm. I think it was the Stephen Colbert. Yeah. She was talking about, like, how she's, like, thinking, like, is it even possible to hint at stuff, like, two to three years down the road? So, like, that's another reason why I like hers, because, like, you can, like, deep dive into this and, like, become a little sleuth and, like, try to figure it out. Yeah. Or you can just enjoy her music and be like, yeah, she's cool. Like, you like you can put as much effort into it as you want, and I think that's so cool. And she's also, like, and she does. She loves to have fun with her fans, and, like, I know she'd be, like, sleuthing on the internet, like, spying on us and stuff. Yeah. So it's a, two, it's a two-way mirror. It's yeah. like, y'all are... Y'all are peeping at her and, and she's peeping at us. Yeah. yeah, she's peeping. There's a lot of peeping going yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, before before like reputation, like when she kind of like cleared out all of her social media, like she would interact with like her fans all the time, like DM them, like watch their lives and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't know. That's like one of the reasons why I'm a huge fan of her is because she cares so much about the people who listen to music. Hello, everyone. Please enjoy this brief intermission. Thanks for listening. I must also give you fair warning. I sound like a robot in the second half of this podcast. Enjoy. So we've talked about we've talked about a lot of good stuff. We've talked like discography and and kind of songwriting and and moods and vibes. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what are some of the like highs of Taylor Swift, like and her career, but it doesn't have to be limited to her career. It's like, what are, what are some high points and like, what are some low points? I think, uh, I think a lot of like high points in her career 
one I want to mention just because this only happened like at the last Grammys is she won album of the year and so she's the only artist or or the only female artist I can't remember but um she is the only one to have won like three album of the year awards for three different genre albums and what were the genres the first one was for fearless which is a country album. The second one was 1989, which was a pop album. And now she's won one for folklore. So yeah, like that's an amazing accomplishment. Um, I think being artist of the decade at the AMAs, especially to be like only like 30 years old, like it's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, now she's 32, but I believe at the time she was 30. Mm. So. So she had won that award prior to her last two records coming out? Yeah. Gotcha. She won Artist of the Decade before Folklore and Evermore. Wow. Right? I mean, and Folklore, like, broke so many streaming records, too. I don't know them off the top of my head, but I know mm. she broke a ton of streaming records. Yeah. And that's, like, all just in the recent years. I mean, like, 1989, like, won a bajillion awards, and everyone thought that it was going to be a flop album because of, you know, that transition from country to pop and stuff. Um <laughs> words yeah so um, many highs yeah any other highs yeah i i would say like you know i i don't know i yeah. think she's just like shown like over and over again that she can be really successful no matter what she does yeah like for our for our time she's like one of the biggest i mean she's like easily one of the biggest artists of our generation and probably one of the biggest artists of our lifetime yeah i think yes i totally agree I don't, I don't, I can't really think of, like, any, like, lows where, like, she's done something and I've been, like, ooh, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. Or, like, as, like, you know, someone who, like, I wouldn't say I'm, like, an internet, like, queen where I sit on my, like, phone all day, like, tweeting and stuff. But, like, I check, I check my Twitter and, like, you know, and stuff and I see what the other Swifties are saying mm-hmm. and stuff. And so, like, I don't really feel like. Maybe, like, the Cats movie that she was in was, like, a flop. But also, like, <laughs> I, for, like I forgot about that. Yeah, you actually, your brain was trying to protect you, so it blocked it out yeah. of your memory. I mean, she was in the Cats movie. Yeah, it's like the uh, Society's Collective Unconscious, like, split. Like, it broke in two when that came out. Everyone's just like, this, this Uncanny Valley horror cinema catastrophe <laughs> just needs to be banished to the annals of, yeah. of film history. Everyone needs to forget about it. Yeah. Zap. It's like the men in black little pen. Yeah, honestly. Take it's like those. everyone who leaves the theater after watching it, they're like, zap, zap, zap. Right. And then they're like, oh shit, James Gordon's a cat. We gotta watch this. <laughs> literally. It's just a never-ending cycle. Yeah, literally. Uh, and that's the only way they could... Um, I think they lost a ton of money, but if they'd ever even wanted to break even, I think they would have had to do some, like, MK Ultra CIA psyop style, <laughs> like, mind control yeah. experiment. Um, so, anyway. Yeah, I would say maybe a low point in her career. What? Which, like, I don't even think she would consider it a low point because right, she, she got, got to, to be a CGI cat. She got to be a cat, which is, like, her favorite thing ever. And then also, I can't remember who, like, did the songwriting or, like, it was either the producer or the director or someone, but she got to work with him, and I know, like, she was really excited about that, so it's probably not even a low for her. Right. But, like, all of her fans are definitely making fun of that movie, because mm-hmm. it's Cats, like, yeah. come on now. And it seems like it, she was probably, in, in the same way, like, uh, well, James Corden can, <laughs> can f*** himself. I don't care about his career reputation. Yeah, but she was probably part of the collateral damage in the same way, like, Judy Dench and, like, Idris Elba and Reb, well, 
Rebel Wilson can eat it too. Like yeah. she, that, you know, whatever. That's neither here nor there. But you know, there were a lot of good, good actors and actresses mm-hmm. that I think were caught in the in the crossfire of that cinematic disaster. Dumpster piece. fire. Yeah, dumpster <laughs> fire. Much more aptly put. Um, so were there? So you said you don't really see yeah. any low points in her yeah. career. I mean, I will say, though, like, whenever, I guess, like, a low point for her would definitely be after the whole, like, Kanye and Kim. Not when Kanye, like, upstaged her at the VMAs. Like, everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, like, poor Taylor Swift and stuff. And, like, I mean, I'm not a fan of Kanye mainly because of Taylor Swift, but also because I think... I just don't really like him. He hasn't done a lot to make himself a, a palatable figure. As a yeah, guy. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to like get into it, but yeah, you don't want to dunk on him too hard. Yeah, I don't want to make him cry and pull all his forty five dollar white t shirts off start, the internet. He'll, he'll start posting about me on his Instagram. Right, he'll, <laughs> he'll be like Ski Davidson and, and, and Ashley F. I'm yeah. coming for you. Yeah, and trash. Uh, yeah, and trash. Yeah, Ski Davidson. Ski and trash. trash. Oh my god. Um, but. But no, like, whenever Kim posted that video on her Snapchat of, like, the... Do you know what I'm talking about? Explain for the audience. Okay. I remember when it happened in real time. I remember I was working at a Subway, (laughs) and I was, like, eating my lunch, and all of a sudden, like, I check my phone, and it's blowing up, and everyone's making fun of me for being a Taylor Swift fan and stuff because they're like, oh, my God, she's a snake, because pretty much Kim had posted a video, which we now have found out that it was edited, Mm-hmm. But she claimed that it was like raw footage, like unedited. Like she was like, "This is the phone conversation between Taylor and Kanye." Because in Kanye's um, song "Famous," he like says like he thinks him and Taylor might still have sex, and he claims that he made her famous and stuff. And it's disgusting, yeah, to be honest. Um, so yeah, and so whenever that song came out, ooh, my voice cracked. So when that song came out, she like, she posted a thing and she was like, I never told Kanye he could call me that bitch. I never agreed to those lines. Like, because at that time, like whenever, before he released that song, like they were like, they had mended things from the whole VMA fiasco. Like they were like, like they were trying to be friends pretty much yeah, and stuff. And he went and did that and like did her dirty. And so, so then Taylor was like, I never said that. And then Kim posted the video pretty much, like, outing her, saying that she did and she's lying and she just wants attention. Which we have now come to find out that that video was, like, edited and it's not true. And she never agreed to those lyrics and stuff. But that only came out, like, a few years ago. So back in 2016, when this was going on, everyone was commenting on her Instagram, like, Twitter, like, little snake emojis. Like, you know, she was getting, like, a lot of hate for, you know this whole situation and stuff. And then she like made a post saying like, I just want to be excluded from this narrative. Like I never asked to be a part of it. And then pretty much she kind of like fell off the face of the earth. And so, yeah, so that was like after the 1989 album had released and like all the hype from that was like starting to die down. And then this comes along and like, everyone's like Taylor Swift's career's over, like all this and stuff. But me as a Swiftie I am, I knew that girl would come back and I stood by her. Yeah, you were in it for the, you had the long view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I would say that would probably be a really big blow for her personally, because like me myself, like if someone's mean to me, I'm like, I don't like that. Imagine like the whole world being mean to you. Yeah. Like that cannot feel good. That's true. And then, but then she came back with Reputation, and 
which is a funny title for an album given. Given, yeah. So I feel like from like debut to up until 1989, she went about like two-ish years before she would put out her next album. So like, I think debut came out in like 2006, Fearless 2008 or nine. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it wasn't like a super long period. But during like those breaks, like she would either be on tour or like still doing press or still like tweeting and stuff. No, she a few months before she like did. I don't I don't exactly remember how this happened. So don't quote me on any of this. I'm going to quote you. You're you're on the record. You're like, this is literally all being quoted. Yeah. And I'm like, don't quote me. Don't quote me. I don't have all the facts, but she like, you know, deleted all like all of the stuff off of her social media, like stopped following everybody. And then all of a sudden she just starts posting videos of snakes. When like the last time we heard from her, people were calling her a snake Mm -hmm. and stuff. And this was before like people had even found out that. It was all a lie that Kim, like that video that Kim posted was a lie. Like people mm. still thought that she like had agreed to it and then just told everyone she didn't. Honestly, the reputation era starting, I was a freshman in college, and oh my god, I don't think like that was life changing for me to see like Taylor Swift come back on social media and stuff, mm-hmm. and then also like to be releasing new music. And then her first music video. She did for the album, Look What You Made Me Do. Also a banger. Some people say it's not, but it's a good song. The whole album kind of played on, like, her reputation being destroyed, but she's coming back. And, like, so, like, Look What You Made Me Do. Like, she kind of did, like, this thing, like, being petty towards Kim. Like, whenever, like, I don't know, like, when Kim got robbed in, like, Paris. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. Well, like, she was in a bath, like, Taylor Swift, like, a scene in her music video is like her in a bathtub with like like a bunch of jewels covered around her mm. and stuff and like everyone thinks it's like kind of like a dig at Kim and then also like everyone was hating on her for the lawsuit that, or not the lawsuit how she like pretty much like filed charges or like sued that guy for like sexually harassing her when he like grabbed her butt and stuff and everyone but she only sued for a dollar because it wasn't, like, about the money. It was money. about calling out the act. Yes, it yeah. was calling out the act. It wasn't about the money to her. And so, like, she had, like, a dollar, like, in one of the scenes, kind of, like, as, like, a dig to that moment where people were like, I can't believe she's suing this guy for touching her butt. Like, no, like, pe- men like that need to be called out. Yeah. And so, and then at the end, like, you know, she's got, like, all of her different, like, versions of herself, like, throughout the years, like, in, like, different costumes she's worn and stuff. And they're all talking and, like, making fun of each other. And they're like, oh, my God, you're such a snake. Like, she really had fun with the whole fact that, like, people were shitting on her. Yeah, you got to supplement. Yeah. Like, she looked, like, she learned how to kind of, like, laugh at herself. And, like, I feel like it really taught her how to, like, not take herself so seriously. But then also not to put so much of her personal life, like, into her music and online. Because I feel like with Reputation and on, like, you know, we still got, like the love songs about like her love interests and like the breakup songs and like all of that but we also i feel like it's not like you don't fully know who every song is about like we used to mm. like i feel like she learned her lesson yeah it's like, like if yeah. you give everyone receipts like there can be a disadvantage mm-hmm. so she like maybe wasn't giving them out as much all right are you ready for some lightning round questions i am okay if you were to go to a restaurant with taylor swift what restaurant would you go to and why? Oh man, I know. I know you said lightning round, but now, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I would go to a cat cafe with her. Nice. 
Yeah. I would just get a chai latte with her and hang out with cats. I dig it. Okay. What is, what is her birthday? Do you know her birthday? December 13th, 1989. Then does that make her a Capricorn? No, she's a Sagittarius. Sag? Um, she's also a cancer moon cancer moon okay let's see do you know what her favorite food or drink is i i know she's a really big fan of chai like one of her like things is like these chai cookies that she makes Mm -hmm. and stuff and then also i know during the red era she was like a really big fan of maple lattes so i don't know if that's still true but gotcha does the public know what kind of music taylor swift listens to I think she listens to everything, pretty much. I know she's a huge fan of Carole King. Yeah. And whenever Girl in Red put out their latest album, she praised it a lot. She just praised Avril Lavigne for her latest album. I know she's a fan of, like, Hayley Williams. Obviously, I'm sure she's, like, a fan of, like, the classics, too. I feel like her music range is very broad. I dig it. If Taylor Swift was a dessert, what dessert would she be and why? Ooh, good question. I feel like she would be, I feel like she would be a chocolate chip cookie because they're delicious. They're staple. Some might call them basic, but it's something you're like, you know, it's going to be good. Right. It's basic, but it's good. Like Taylor Swift, she's cheesy, but she's good. Someone who doesn't like chocolate chip cookies is a fucking loser. If you don't like chocolate chip cookies, grow up. Yeah. Grow up. Shed thine diaper. (laughs) Walk on two legs. Quit crawling. We are not quadrupeds who don't like chocolate chip cookies and Taylor Swift. Okay, do you think she's a beach person or a mountain person? I think she is like a northern beach person. So not like a Florida beach kind of gal, but more like maybe like a Rhode Island beach. Oh, you're going to have to help me. I don't know what the fuck that means. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like a Florida beach has like the vibes of like spring break and like partying. Like 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 cocaine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But like Rhode Island, like... You're going to sit by the water and, like, read a book and, like, enjoy yourself. So it's, like, natural beauty, but also, like, pensive. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. (laughs) Has she ever worn... Has Taylor Swift ever worn socks and sandals? Probably. Good answer. (laughs) Do you have, like, an outfit that she has worn that you really, really, really like? Or anything that stood out to you? Uh, Yes. Literally so many. I... A lot of... I'll keep it short, but a lot of people hate on her outfit choices. I personally love them. So I I like almost anything she wears. Okay. Didn't she make Joe Biden cookies at some she point? She did. Can you, can you just, can you help add on to this statement that I, uh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Thanks. Yeah. So like she, she made cookies and they were designed like, it was like the opposite of Let's Go Brandon. She was supporting we, Biden. Yeah. It was yeah. like, we like Joe Biden. Yeah, I made cookies with, did it have his name? Was it yeah. his Democrat cookie? Like, give me, give no, me I mean, they were, they literally were just like vote Biden cookies. Like, yeah. it was right before the elections. It was, you know, election season. Every Everyone and anyone is talking about the election. And she was like, here's where I stand. And it's not the first time she's done that. And mm. if you watch the documentary, Miss Americana, which is about her. Even if you're not a fan of Taylor Swift, I feel like you learn a lot. Um, but she did. She used to not talk about politics because of like, and I feel like a she lot lose of lose half her fan base. Yeah, in the pretty mu- yeah, pretty much. Like, and everyone's like, no, it's a bad move. Like, either way you lean, like you're gonna lose support and stuff. But she's like, I don't care. I have this platform. Like, I need to speak on what I think is right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, especially in the Lover era, you know, she like really, really pushed her fans to like 
sign the petition for the Equality Act and like vote for the right, not the right people, but like kind of get into politics. Like she was like, it's important. Like it's not just affecting you. Like it's affecting those around you and stuff. Like she's a huge supporter of like the LGBTQ plus community, which I think is like wonderful. And then also like Phil Bredesen, she was a supporter of him when he was running against Marsha Blackburn, like here in Tennessee, like she's a Tennessee resident. So like she even got into like local politics too, which I think is Great. That was a good question. <laughs> what What is Taylor Swift's favorite animal? A cat. What is Taylor Swift's favorite movie? Not cats. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how, how tall, tall is Taylor, Taylor Swift? Swift? At least six foot. Okay. She's a tall girl. Tall girl. Not to be confused with the really I'm tall girl. Or was it a show? It's the Netflix movie. Yeah. It's a movie, and then there's a second one that came out. It's, it's like, like I think it's. <laughs> Don't tell me it's so called Short Girl. Girl. No, the first one I think is called Tall Girl, and I think this one is called, like, Tall Girl 2, Too Tall 2 Girl, or maybe it's Tall Girl 2 Electric Boogaloo. I'm not really sure. What are the odds that Taylor Swift is actually three kids in a trench coat? Um, I, I would say very unlikely. Very unlikely, but not impossible. We can't rule it out. I guess you could never rule it out as impossible. No, I met her before. She, She's definitely not. It's... No. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about the time that you met Taylor Swift. Oh, man. What a ride that was. I was, let's see, 11 years old. I was a pudgy, awkward sixth grader who was fully obsessed with Taylor Swift, and so was my best friend. Like, we would spend hours just talking about her and, like, her music and singing and dancing and all that. So my mom, God bless her, took us to meet Taylor Swift, and she held it in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena and like the marketing for it was like so her like number is like 13 like that's her lucky number like it comes up a lot like in like her easter eggs and like she used to write like 13 on her hand like she just it's her number and so like this meet and greet was going to be 13 hours long of like her meeting fans and so my mom had let us drink monster energy and so we like we walk in and it is like a Taylor like it was like stepping into a Taylor Swift universe like it was the the Taylor market yeah you were the, talking the about yeah. Yeah. yeah like people were getting makeovers to look like Taylor Swift like yeah you're Taylor had, I'm Taylor Taylor yeah Taylor. they sorry I keep burping <laughs> <laughs> they had so much like Taylor Swift merch and like videos playing and like free stuff and like anything Taylor was there. Like, I even remember, like, so I was, like, sixth grade, so, like, awkward middle schooler. I remember, like, teenage boys, like, high school boys were there, like, trying to meet her. Like, everyone and their mother were there, right? Mm -hmm. But you had to earn this wristband to meet her by either dressing up crazy or, like, putting your name in a raffle or, like, winning a little contest or, like, proving how much of a fan you are, basically. Like, it was, like, like it was the Hunger Games of meeting Taylor Swift, like, to be totally honest. Okay. And so, like, the whole day, like, we're trying to, like, get these wristbands and, like, sometimes, like, part of her team would, like, walk out there with just, like, a fanny pack full of wristbands and they'd start passing them out to just random people and, like... Then they'd get bombarded. It was crazy. So me and my friend, probably like two hours in, to be honest, like we were 11. Like, even though it felt like all day, it was probably like two hours in. And we were like, man, we're never going to meet Taylor Swift (laughs) (laughs) and stuff. And it's it's like like in the the time it would take, probably less than the time of of James Cameron's Titanic to run through. You're like, (laughs) I'm tired. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like we're crashing from the monster. Like, 
And my poor dad was there too. (laughs) And so was my little sister who was like, Oh, five maybe. Um, she was a young one and this was like a family event pretty much. So we're feeling defeated. And my mom had bought us these like woven blankets with like the fearless album cover on it, which like, wow. Cause I'm pretty sure that thing was like 65 bucks. Damn. I still have it. So we take our blankets and we're sitting in the corner of Bridgestone arena, like in some back hallway. And we're like feeling so defeated. We're like, man, we're never going to meet Taylor Swift. And all of a sudden, like, I was like, where are we? So we're like pretty much like, I guess next to like some business meeting room or like where like important people of Bridgestone Arena are yeah, hanging out. People who work at the business, business factory. factory. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say people who work at the business factory? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so we're there and we're like, you know what? We're going to start screaming. Me and my friend do. And so we like hold up our blankets and like probably like five people walk by the entire time we're doing this. But we're shouting. We're like, we'll do anything for Taylor. We'll do anything for Taylor. And we like made a chant. And we probably did that for like, in my brain, it feels like we did that for like an hour. But I mean, honestly, like if you're hearing two screaming girls, like right outside your door, it was probably like five minutes. But (laughs) so this guy like comes out in like a big black suit and he is like, come with me, like a deep voice. And we're like, Yes, sir. And we think we're going to get kicked out. And then they, like, take us down this hallway and da-da-da-da-da. And then we end up, like, at, like, the arena part of Bridgestone Arena, which is, like, where the people who get to meet Taylor Swift go. And he hands us our wristbands and gives them to my parents and my sister. And he was like, now shut up. I'm pretty sure he didn't say that, but he was like, there you go. He said it with his face in his eyes, Yes, Yeah. yeah. And then we're sitting in the arena seats for, like, probably... Probably it took us way longer to just sit in those arena seats waiting for our turn to meet Taylor Swift than it did to actually earn the wristband to meet Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Like we're mm-hmm. sitting there for hours. And I remember like eventually like my mom was like, We're about to give up and just go home. Like you're not gonna meet her. And I was like, But we can't, we have the wristbands. And she like stopped the meet and greet like midway to put on a concert. And so we got to see that. It was super fun. And then Eventually, our time comes, and we meet Taylor Swift, and so they, like, take us down another little hallway, and, like, she's there in front of her tour bus, and she, like, literally looks perfect, even though she's been, like, meeting sweaty people for, like, I don't know, at least 10 hours at this point. (laughs) And, like, I just remember my friend was so nervous. It was my friend, myself, and my younger sister. We all three got, like, we all went up to her at the same time, and they, like, take our picture with her. And then we get, like, probably, like, 20 seconds to talk to her. My friend's not saying anything. And then, obviously, my sister isn't either because she's, like, five. So I'm, like, hi, Taylor. I love you so much. You're just so great. And, like, I I love your music. And you're amazing. And you're so pretty. And I want to be just like you when I grow up. And I just love you so much. And also, my favorite song is Change. And, like, she was, like, wow, thank you. I love you, too. And she was, like, oh, my God, wait. Change is playing on, like, the screen right now. And it was. So at the time that I met Taylor Swift, my favorite song at that time was playing when I met her and she smelled like roses. Smelled like roses. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's that's how I met Taylor Swift. I had to work for it. Yeah. But I, I did put it. Put in work. You had to bootstrap that shit. Yeah. But I did it. And she was so nice. Who are the celebrities that she's dated? Um Joe Jonas, Taylor Lautner, Jake Gyllenhaal, Connor Kennedy, Harry Styles, uh Calvin Harris. Dom Hiddleston. 
Did you say his name? What? Yeah, they the guy plays Loki. Yeah, they dated for a minute. I think it was a PR thing, uh, but they dated for a minute. Um, yeah, they they, they <laughs> probably, probably wanted, wanted uh, Taylor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and she's like, no. She has her own cinematic universe. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think after Tom, she started dating who she is now dating, which is Joe Alwyn. Who is Joe Alwyn? Joe <laughs> yeah, Joe, he, he's a British actor, and, like, her whole fan base kind of jokes, like, she's like, oh, come here, little poor boy, I will take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they seem to he's have... He's actually, a, like, like, tiny Tim. It's like, <laughs> God bless us, everyone! <laughs> like, yeah. But, yeah, so, now they're together, literally every day the internet tries to convince, like, tries to convince us that they're engaged, Mm-hmm. She'll tell us when she's ready, whatever. Yeah. Um, but they've been dating for a really long time. They've been dating since, like, I think 2016. And then he also wrote Joe, her current, like, uh, significant other, wrote some songs with her on Folklore. That's, That's awesome. It's amazing. Like, they just wrote songs together in quarantine. And it won a Grammy. This podcast will win a Grammy. I think so, Even too. though it's not, <laughs> even though it's not music. <laughs> but, yeah. That's epic. Okay, so what are the thing? What do you want people? So like obviously Taylor Swift is someone who's like very special mm-hmm. to you, and it's been awesome to learn more than I ever thought I'd ever learn in my whole life about Taylor Swift. You're welcome. What are the things that you want the world, the world being anyone who listens to this, to know about Taylor in general, or her music, or her life? What do you want to shed light on? I think. If anyone can take away anything from this, I think, um, one, I'm just a 22-year-old girl who really enjoys Taylor Swift's music. I'm by no means, like, an expert on all things Taylor. But I think, not even just with Taylor, I think with a lot of young female artists in the music industry and even just, like, who are in our, like, who we, like, see, like, a lot in the media, I think we should just look at young women as, like, people who are human and like literally just people and I and like you can say the same thing about young men but as a feminist like I fully believe that women are definitely treated a lot differently in the media than men are but I think we should just like not be so fucking rude yeah (laughs) like you know I think Taylor's a great example of like how the media like if they turn on you and like public opinion like like that can do a lot to you so yeah (laughs) cool that's it do you have anything you want to share before we wrap up the pod for today i think i think i've covered everything i wanted to awesome do you have any did you what did what was one thing that you learned that stuck out to you she got a lot of albums (laughs) she does it was just fun thinking about the expanse how expansive her career is Mm -hmm. and the fact that she is still like super young and can keep on trucking Oh, and I forgot to Stephen Cass, so. (laughs) That's like a, you know, nightmare I'm going to have now. Cool. Thanks for uh, joining Cool Guy with Cool Friends.